Welcome to Your Best Riding Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. I'm so glad you're listening in. Today, we're sharing how to market your words with my industry expert from across the pond, Deb Hackett. Deb is a military wife and mom of two medium-sized girls. After a 20-year radio career, she's focusing on writing contemporary romance and was an ACFW Genesis finalist last year. She's also one of the co-coordinators of the Blue Ridge Reader Connections website and a regular devotional writer for the Advanced Writers and Speakers Association blog, Arise Daily. Deb, it is a privilege to have you here today. Oh, it's a delight, Linda. I always like talking to you anyway, and we're going to be talking about one of my passions today, so I'm extra excited to be here. Oh, this is good. Now, before we get into your area of passion, I'm going to ask you to just take a moment. Well, I want us to journey inside your life today, and if you would, would you share something with us that maybe we wouldn't find in your bio? Gosh, you know, I've lived I've lived a crazy life at times. And so I have got some things I could share. And this is tricky. But, you know, just last week, actually, pictures of this surfaced on Facebook. So I'm going to go with, I wing walked once. And to back up some of the stuff we're going to talk about in a little bit, I'm going to also tell you that I have interviewed for the radio, two of the greats, in my opinion, in Christian fiction, um, Gilbert Morris and Frank Peretti. Woo! I like that. Well, tell us a little bit, for those that don't know, what is wing walking? So wing walking, it's, it used to be part of the, the sort of in the, in the 30s, the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, that barnstorming that people might see at a county fair or a state fair where you have a biplane, which is a regular airplane, and it has two wings, one above the other. And you can't see me because this isn't a Zoom session, but I'm actually sat here with my hands in parallel, like the two <laughs> wings on the biplane, like a Boeing Stearman, if you've ever seen a Stearman, um, or a Tiger Moth. Um, so two wings, and there's somebody strapped or standing, actually, typically, on the top wing. Um, and you're in a special harness and a special chair, usually, and you do crazy things from up there. And that is wing walking. You Now, it's called that because traditionally you'd be in the back seat and then once the airplane was flying, you would walk out onto the wing, all strapped in, hopefully. I certainly was, but that's what wing walking is. And then the plane flies around and you wave and you do bendy things. I did not do that. I did a lot of waving. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. So out of these two amazing experiences, which one was the most frightening? It had to be the wing walking. Yeah. No, you know, no. Um I, w- oh. I was I was aware that if it landed badly, then it was going to end badly for me because I was still strapped to the top of the plane when it landed. But actually, I would say it was interviewing Frank Peretti because, well, interviewing Gilbert Morris was like talking to my grandpa. He was the sweetest individual, just phenomenal man, loved him to pieces. And wing walking, I threatened the pilot with the consequences of crashing the plane on landing because my then boyfriend and our husband is in the military. And I'm like, I can have you taken care of. This will end badly if you kill me. Um, and, and the pilot knew my husband, so he knew that, you know, everything would be cool. And then Frank Peretti, though, if 
for those of you that uh, have read his work and have appreciated his work, and maybe you even heard him speak at the Blue Ridge Conference just a few weeks ago, Frank had these two incredible books, This Present Darkness and Piercing the Darkness, and they were phenomenal hits. And then there was kind of a pause. And then a few years later, The Oath came out. And for people that were in um, the publicity industry then, so for me as a radio person doing a book review show, this was a highly sought after interview. This was huge news. And so when it, it turned out that I was going to get Frank Peretti, I was really scared I was going to mess it up, like super scared. And to add to it, I mixed in a piece of music underneath the interview uh, called Ashton, which is the name of the town in the book, in uh, This Present Darkness, that Michael W. Smith wrote after reading the book. But it was back at, at a time when I needed to mix it while it was going on. And so it was high stress, I tell you. Oh, it wow. really was. Wow. But I know that it came out wonderfully. And you know, I had a good time. So yeah. If we have a good time, that then it's really going to help our listeners have a good time. So oh, it, it's yes, all good. Absolutely. It's all good. All right. Now, before we head into our content for today, you and hmm. I had talked a little bit before, and you have an extra special offering for our listeners. And this is actually beyond the giveaway that you have, a couple downloads that we have today. Share with them what it is that you have to offer. Yes. So... I really, truly am passionate about today's topic of ways we can use our voices to market our words. But this is a very intimidating area for a lot of people. And so if I can help somebody with that, then I'm going to offer a 30-minute consultation on any of the things that we come up with today or any of the things that you and I talk about today. Um, you know, we'll pick a convenient time, we'll Zoom, and we'll talk, and, and I will do some coaching if this is an area that you want to press into, but you're biting your nails down to stumps at the thought of it. Ooh, I like that. This is something everyone is going to want to be a part of. And so. you'll have to, oh, I think so. And you'll have to, everyone... If you want to be a part of this, you're going to have to stay tuned at the end of the program. We're going to have a code word. And I've asked um, Deb to consider a code word that she, that she would like for you to use. Then I'm going to invite you to join us over at the Your Best Writing Life Facebook group. And of course, the link is in the show notes. And I will have our little questionnaire for this episode. And in that, all I'm going to ask you to do is not to post the code word in there, but to direct message me with the code word. And then you're going to be put in for a drawing and we're going to draw the name and that's going to be the winner. I'm looking forward to this. This is great. Perfect. I love feeding into the lives of our listeners, aspiring mm -hmm. writers, writers that have been writing for a long time. This area of marketing is someone, something everyone needs to be updated on. They need to be encouraged with. So let's get right into the process. Yes. Now, Deb, I was reading your background information and you use the phrase using your other writer's voice. Mm. So share with us, if you would, what exactly do you mean by that? And where did that idea come from? So as writers, we all there's probably nobody listening or very few people listening who haven't sat in on a class or heard another writer talk or an instructor about 
finding and honing and using your writer's voice when you write. And it's that sort of very special way that you write, you know, Linda, that you write, that when I write, it doesn't sound the same because it's coming from you, not me. And so that's our writer's voice. The other voice that we have is the one that comes out of our mouths. And again, you can cover the exact same topic, but it will come differently from me because I will use my other writer's voice because I'm a writer. So it's still a writer's voice, but it's the spoken word instead. Mm. That's where it came from. I was, gosh, I was asked to speak at a marketing conference back in 2018. And then I was asked back by the same organization to do a webinar on a similar topic just a couple of months ago. And it really came to me then that I used to call it using your voice to market your words. And then they asked me to write a blog post about it. And that was where, you know what, it's not using your voice to market your words. It's your other writer's voice. And that's where the idea came from. Oh, this is good. I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. <laughs> A lot of writers, you know, I'm into personalities. So mm -hmm. several books I've written on personalities. And so we have the introverts and we have the extroverts. And a lot of writers are introverts. And they, you know, kind of find putting themselves out there in front of others really intimidating. Yeah. How are they supposed to do this sort of thing? Do you have some words of encouragement for them or a process? What can you give us? Yeah, you know, you're right. This is very tricky for a lot of people. It seems a lot bigger than it is. Now, when I talk about using your other voice, your spoken voice, I'm talking about things like public speaking and uh, using radio interviews. Also, podcasting would be another area. But it's those sorts of things where you are talking about your craft about one of your books, about an area in your book, depending on what you write. It's those sorts of things. And if this is very intimidating to you, that's okay. You start really small. It might just be that you gather, you start with gathering a couple of your girlfriends um, or your small group or some extended family that owe you a favor in exchange for a meal. And you start by just talking to people that you're comfortable with. Make sure it's about something that you are passionate about. And then when you talk, you start to be less inhibited. But you start out small. You do little things. And gradually over time, it might take you a little while. It might take you a year or two to get comfortable. But I guarantee it's like almost anything in life. If you keep trying and build, on, it's like running. I'm not a natural runner, but I ran a half marathon. And I started with a couch to 5K program where I was running for a minute and walking for a minute. And eventually I ran a half marathon starting from that really small place. Did it take me a while to get to that point? Yes, it did. And it took quite a lot of pain as well, but I got there. Mm. And this is the same principle. I firmly believe anyone can do this. Well, I like that concept because it's, it's kind of like having conversation and yeah. it could be around the kitchen table. It could be over um, sharing a cup of tea sharing a cup of coffee and go. just having that conversation in a relaxed environment and doing it with people who love you really does make it embraceable and gives you an opportunity to share maybe a, in yeah. a, you know, kind of a, an intimate way. Yes. And what about the concept of recording yourself? Is that something that you can do even while you're having that conversation or is that too scary? <laughs> I think that's probably person to person. You certainly can. You know, there's not a smartphone out there now that won't do that for you. I'm not sure. It would depend on your personality as to whether or not you'd really want to do it, simply mm -hmm. because a lot of people, 
Now, Linda, I know you have a background in radio as I do. A lot of people get a little bit antsy when they hear their own voice because it doesn't sound like the voice you hear in your head when you talk. And a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. It took me a long time, probably a couple of years to get comfortable with hearing my voice and not cringing when I was editing my work. And so if you are confident enough that it won't put you off, absolutely, that's a great idea. Otherwise, you know, if you're giving, um, uh, if you're speaking somewhere, if you can find uh, an invitation to go speak somewhere, then practice in front of somebody and ask them to take notes. If that mm. that's quite intimate, just practicing with one other person. So first of all, that will dial down your nerves at speaking in front of a big of a bigger group because that tends to be less intimate and more almost anonymous because there's so many people typically you can't know who they all are and so you feel a little bit more protected in that sense but two then that person can feed back to you things to work on without you having to listen to yourself so that can be helpful too Oh, and I like the concept of someone else taking notes. What first came to my mind was as they take notes, they can share with us what it is that they learned. And then we can say, oh, is that what I was teaching? You know, yeah. did they gather all that I wanted to share with them? Did I make it clear enough to them? So that's an excellent way, not saying to them, this is what it's about. And this is what I want you to walk away with just sharing and saying, take notes and then get the feedback. That's yeah. most excellent. Most excellent. It's no different than having a writing critique partner, you know, and or a beta reader where you send them the your work, they send it back and then you ask them questions about it. It's, it's, yeah, it's a perfect way. This is good. And as you said, we both have been in radio. So I know that you are very passionate about radio. Share mm. with our listeners where that passion came from and why it's ignited in you. <laughs> this is going to make me sound bad now. So thanks for asking that. Um, so ah. go back to, it's 1994. I've got some shoulder pads and some relatively big hair compared to now. I was just finishing up school and I needed, I was living in Wisconsin at the time, go pack, and I needed to pay rent. I was in a band, I play bass guitar, and that is on my bio. That's why I didn't use it earlier. band I was in, the drummer of the band, was roommates with the news director of the local Christian radio station. And I wanted to be a TV director. I had done radio in school. I really didn't like radio. But then the local radio station needed a newscaster, and I was qualified. And there weren't any TV jobs at the time where I lived. And so I'm like, well, I'll go in and do a voice test. Sure, why not? And so I went in and he hired me. And God bless Mark, because I was awful. I, I'd done radio, but I really didn't know how to use my voice. I screwed up the air test, something fierce. And, you know, he just taught me better. I then got to do the job for real, as it were. And I think it took about two weeks when I realized that radio is personal, you know, it's it's the most personal of all the mediums because we invite it in. It's in our cars, it's in our kitchens, it's in our ears when we're out exercising. Radio, it, we take it places. It's, it's immediate. So if something happens, just like the snap of my fingers, I can stop the music or stop the speech program that's going out and I can tell you what has happened in the world so much mm. quicker than any other medium possibly even in the internet uh, on some occasions, I would say, even now. And, and that's the great thing. And I will always love radio too, 
because that was how I really discovered the huge Christian fiction industry that there is. Beyond C.S. Lewis, this is 1994 now, beyond C.S. Lewis, I had no idea what was out there. And I picked up my first book. It was on the um, the conference room window ledge. There were all these books. And I said to my boss, my first Tuesday in work, we went in for staff prayers. And I said, what are all the books, Mark? And he said, oh, publishers send them to us, but we don't really do anything with them. If there's anything here you like, help yourself. Seriously, you could take all of them for all we would care. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? And I was an avid reader and an avid fiction reader already. And so that was when I found all of these amazing authors. And so that was why one day then I wanted to be able to do that. And here we are today. Oh, this is great. It does bring back a lot of memories for myself as well. And that is when the Lord downloaded to me that radio is a one-on-one. It's an intimate Mm. conversation. Oh, but something really did open my mind. Go ahead. Yeah, no, as you say, something to add to that. The reason I'm passionate about it in this context, there are over 2,000 talk or content speech-based Christian radio stations in the U.S. alone, and there's another 1,200 or so music stations that will have speech segments. That's over 3,000 radio stations looking for content of some description or another, and they're just they're sitting there, and mm-hmm. it's a massively untapped market. There wasn't a book review show on my radio station. And I started reading and I said to the boss one day, Hey, what about if we did this? You know, there's some great books here. Shouldn't we maybe be reviewing a few? And he's like, well, if I find you 10 minutes, do you want to do it? Yes. But there are stations all over the country that will do that. You just need to find them. And as I said, it's such a big, because it's, it's scary. You know, the idea of Mm -hmm. putting yourself out there, of offering yourself to a radio station, that's intimidating Unless perhaps like you or I, you've sat on the other side of the microphone and you know it's actually not that hard to get on the radio and it's actually not as big a deal as you might think. Well, when we're talking about radio and we're talking about sitting in the chairs on the opposite side of the microphone, or in our case, if we're in studio and we have an in-house guest or those that are, you know, they can be in their own location, we can have Mm -hmm. them in studio with us via the phone or across across the miles. And we normally think that the only one who's going to be interviewed is someone who is very well known, someone who is, you know, acclaimed as a writer. Mm. So how do people even get those slots? What is the best way for someone to approach, say, the opportunity to approach a radio station and say, I'd really like to be considered. Sure. Well, it's the same as if you're public, if you're trying to find gigs as public speaking, it's the same as trying to find gigs in radio. First of all, you have to figure out where you would like to be. And so Mm. for radio, as with public speaking, I think the number one thing is being relatable in some way. So whether it is that you are pitching your book or to be interviewed about your book to a station or a program that is in a, it fits the topic of your book. You know, say there is a popular counseling show and you've just written a book about some element of counseling, then you might offer yourself as a guest. You know, you would send them a press release, probably by email, um, because this is 2021. And so you would write a press release and send it off to them. And you'd make sure that you or your topic are relatable. And it might be by topic, it might be because 
you've just released a book and there's a radio station three miles down the road that is looking for content and they would actually love to interview a local author. They haven't done that before. Or it might be that you are covering an issue that is appealing to the target demographic of a radio station. You know, you look at issues that are facing 24 to 35 year olds, for instance, and if that comes up in one of your books, then you speak to the radio station. You send them a press release, like I said, and you explain who you are and what you've got and why you'd be a good guest. And I don't know about you, Linda, in my 20 years in radio, yes, you get some journalists, absolutely, when there's a big story, it's a feeding frenzy and people are passionate and they're busy and they're dynamic and they are real go-getters. But there are other slots that they are just looking for content to fill the slot. And actually, if you can hand them a good hook and a good conversation topic, they'll bite your hand off because journalists aren't, sometimes they're a tiny bit lazy. And if it's an easy story, golden. No, this is good. And I know that you teach people about writing press releases as well. So can you offer some of your top tips there? Yeah. So there is um, one of the one of the downloads we have today is my very simple, basic cheat sheet on how to write a simple, basic press release. But the this is ridiculous. But the single biggest thing I would say, if there was just one thing, I would say this. Make sure your contact details are accurate and that you will be accessible because I say this when I teach this class and I think I even says it in the, the press, the handout that I have. If I had five, just even $5, never mind 10, $5 for every time I have been sent a press release with either an email that doesn't work or bounces back with an out of office or a phone number that people don't pick up, I could have Starbucks for a year and probably not pay for one of them. So make yourself available. If you are offering yourself, make yourself available. And then the the other thing, which is as important, is make sure that you are very clear about how you are a relatable guest for that station or for that venue, for that group of people that might be looking for a speaker. Because that's what it's all about. We were made for relationship. And if you have some common ground with whatever the target audience of the event is, people are going to bite your hand off. And not bite your hand off in a bad way, folks. No. What we're oh, talking no. about is they're going to grab hold of you. They're going to bring you in. And mm. one of the things that I've enjoyed as a radio talk show host is if I have a guest that's easy to communicate with, someone who falls in line with my kind of like my swagger, if I could use that <laughs> term. You can. Because, you know, we have, we have radio hosts. People are used to tuning into them, and that's kind of their dynamic is what they're used to. And so I always would encourage my clients or just individuals, if you're wanting to get on a radio show, please listen to it. Listen to the engagement of the host with their guest. Listen to the type of questions that are being offered. Always know, as you said, Make sure you have something that's relevant. That means you need to know their audience. The last thing I want to receive is someone who says, I write on this and I'm going, that has nothing to do with my audience. But, and I want to get your thoughts here, Deb. I had a lot of fiction writers who thought, well, I can't approach radio because it's, it's a fiction book. And If this is a community service type of radio station, 
they're not going to want my content. And what I shared was everyone's story, as you said, your story is filled with relational relationships, with relational issues. Is there something in the dynamic between a couple of the characters that is topical? What are your thoughts on that, Deb? Absolutely right. And and if there isn't, you know, I struggle to think that a book doesn't have relatable topics in it and still gets published. I struggle with that idea. So I think you probably couldn't throw the name of a fiction book at me and I couldn't, if I'd read it, tell you several different ways you could pitch it, which, you know, if you are the person that gets the consultation, we can brainstorm that. Um, when I teach this, I actually have people, I pull out three titles like Cinderella, Pride and Prejudice and The Maltese Falcon. And we sit and we try and brainstorm different ways we could market those books, different issues that they cover. But the, no, and the thing too about fiction that you can look at is um, which area is it set in? Because there you go, boom, right there, there's a whole bunch of you know, radio stations potentially in an area where your book is set. They might want to talk about it because there's a book being published that's set in their area, even if it's fictional. It's still Mm. nice. It's a puff for the area. So, you know, it's absolutely doable. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, with the radio interview for some, it seems like a big deal. And we mentioned, especially if you're Mm -hmm. introverted. And I'm going to say, too, even if you're an extrovert, there's some cautions. Maybe we'll talk about that in a moment. But what advice do you have for people before they're interviewed? Yes. And this is the second or the other download that we have for the show. Gosh, there's a lot of things to to bear in mind. The biggest one I would say is it's just a conversation. Have you had a conversation with a family member? Have you had one with a friend? Have you had one with the the clerk at the the grocery store, um, the cashier? Have you had one with your children or with your parents? Have you, can you have a conversation? If you can, then you're set because it's just a conversation. People seem to think that if you get into a, a radio show, then it's going to be antagonistic. Now, if you have a very, very conservative message and you somehow get booked onto a very liberal talk show, you could probably expect for it to get a little tricky with the questioning at times. You would expect that. But in 90%, 95% of interviews, that's not the case. It is beholden on the host to make the interviewee sound decent, because if not, that's bad radio. And mm-hmm. bad radio loses listeners. And when your listener numbers go down, so do your advertising numbers. And that's not good for anybody. So the first thing is, take a breath. It's just a conversation. You know, maybe make sure that you know your topic, but don't have it scripted or it will sound stilted. Smile when you talk, because... When I'm smiling, you can hear it instead of when my my face is flat and I'm a bit monitored. It makes a difference. And then I think finally I would say use the bathroom first, but have some water handy because when you're nervous, your lips tend to stick to your teeth and it makes a lisping sound that nobody enjoys. Oh, that is so true. So true. Another thing I found with many Christian authors is they either didn't respond beyond three words to a question or when they started answering the first question, they never took a breath and would keep going. And like they were afraid they weren't going to be able to answer all of their questions. Yeah. And that is more of the, or the extrovert 
who mm. gets it and they roll with it and they're going with it. And I really like to have the back and forth dynamic yes. between the dialogue between the host and the guest. Can you share yeah. all that? Oh, no, I completely agree. And that, you know, that is, that's a tricky one for the host, because as you'll know, when you're in radio, if you have like two people that produce, that present a show together, it takes a while for that dynamic to to bed in and to to settle down as a partnership and so when you're doing an interview with somebody for the first time it's tricky to strike that balance but you have to remember it's like like today I was sat in Starbucks with a couple of friends of mine and they started asking me the one person didn't know me desperately well and he asked me what I wrote and I'm like okay this is the part where you're probably gonna snigger because Christian fiction is not a very well-known genre in this country and I'm trying to change that but he he then had a bunch of questions and I started talking about my plot and my characters and got super animated, but it was a two-way conversation. And so you absolutely have to, and two, I would say, don't try and oversell because that's not interesting. People aren't tuning in to have somebody sell them on what they've done. They, they want to hear them talk about it if it's interesting and engaging, but don't try and sell me every three minutes with your website address or with the link to your um, your newsletter or the places you can buy your book, that's going to almost push me in the other direction. And going back to having a drink to avoid the click, 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 don't use soda because as somebody who has burped during a live news bulletin, I can tell you it's highly overrated. <laughs> it's all professional over here. All professional. It's so only good. Once. Only once. <laughs> that's right. We only have to do it one time. This yep. has been great content. I'm certainly going to have you back on. Before we close out, I'm going to mm. ask you kind of a off-the-cuff question here. Mm. What brings you joy? Gosh, talking about stories and mm. playing my bass guitar. Those things I like do. that. What kind of bass guitar do you have? I have an Ibanez, just a four-string. I've played a couple of friends' five strings, and it's just a bit too heavy for my poor little puny shoulders. So I just have a, re a really nice little Ibanez four string that I played on a worship team for a long time before lockdown. And I'm hoping to get it out again shortly. Oh, that would be good. Who yeah, knows? Maybe, maybe we could have a, have a podcast broadcast or episode mm -hmm. and have some friends join us and play some music. That would be, that would be a fun thing. Maybe oh. even writing, writing songs. Oh. That's part of it too. So we can do that. on that. Just one thing. If, um, for, the, for people listening that are familiar with the agent Jim Hart, he and I have been talking for a while about how that we need to do a little double act because Jim secretly, it's sorry, Jim, I'm going to out you now, is a phenomenal musician. He can play piano, he can play guitar, he can play drums, he sings. Um, and so we've had a conversation. So maybe one day there'll be a little, you know, Christian uh, literature, Christian publishing band going. We'll see. That would be good. That would be <laughs> so good. So as we wrap up, would you tell us about the book, Write Well, Sell Well? Oh, do you know, this one is special to me. It's this little book. You can get it on. I'm, I'm overselling now. You can get it on Amazon. It's 10 bucks or less. And I was part of the um, faculty for the Write Well, Sell Well conference, which I think became WriterCon over in Oklahoma City. Gosh, about six years ago now, I think. Renee Gutteridge is one of the founders of that conference and Cherry Fuller, for those of you who are familiar with either of them. And I was talking about using your voice to market your words. And a couple of years ago, they wanted to quick release a book 
based on their blog, which is all about writing and selling. And so they asked for people to submit chapter ideas. And so I have two chapters in it. And, you know, it's again, it's one of those lists of people that you're happy to be on because it's me. Well, not me, but I mean, yes, there's Cherry Fuller, there's Renee Gutteridge, there's Regina Jennings, and so on. There's just a bunch of really cool people on there. There's Shell Harrington, who, bless her, she is a divorce lawyer whose mission is to actually put herself out of business by talking about marriage counseling. She's awesome. Anyway, there's, it's, there are 12 of us in there. And it's the first time that my name has been on the cover of a book. And so it is very special to me. Oh, that's so good. All right. Well, we're at the end of our time. Yeah. And I need a code word. So what is a code word? And I'm going to share this again. You're going to go to the link in the show notes. You're going to click on join us at the Facebook group. Join the group if you haven't already. Come in and then look for the post that says, I need a code word. I'm going to do a drawing for you to have a session with Deb Hackett. And so do you have a code word for me, Deb? Let's go with Peretti. Oh, that's very good. All right. right. So we're going to go with Peretti. Peretti is a code word, and this is going to be the first week of our broadcast here. And if you're listening to a replay, I just encourage you, if you come in and you've noticed that, wow, this is a later time that I've heard this, and you have not received a Frank Peretti book, or you've not read any of his stuff, I highly, highly encourage you to do that. Oh, yeah. So, Deb, I'll have every which way for everyone to find you to get a hold of you in the show notes. Just thank you so much for sharing this amazing wealth of information with our Your Best Writing Life listeners. It was so good to have you. Thank you. It's been a privilege and a joy, Linda. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. And thank you, my friends, for joining us. Oh, my goodness. It is such a pleasure to be here with you each and every week. And if you would, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.